What's up, everybody out there? This is your host, Jeff. Welcome to the second episode of the Race Recap. I'm once again joined by Duncan Indy, and I'd like to take a moment to congratulate you on the birth of your son. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. It was uh, definitely a bit of a bummer not to be racing this weekend, but there was nothing in the world I'd rather be doing than hanging out yeah. with uh, with my new baby boy watching the races instead. That's a that's a a good alter. It's yeah, that's a great thing to be doing if you're not racing. Is that so? Congratulations. That's fantastic. Um, it was a busy race weekend, though. Uh, lots going on. Um, I know you had your head somewhere else, but I know you also managed to catch most of it. Um, so let's, I mean, let's just dive right in and, uh, start with formula one. Yeah. Formula one, it was a, uh, pretty entertaining, uh, race in China, especially for an F1 race. Um, Nico Rosberg did, uh, what we've become accustomed to seeing yeah. out of him pretty much dominating the field, um, from qualifying, uh, through the race. Um, not- I mean, he's now one of four drivers in f1 history to win six races in a row that's i mean that's crazy yeah crazy yeah uh, a little bit a little bit fluky since it's over two seasons right um but you know he's he's done it so <laughs> hats off to nico he's doing a great job and definitely i've always been uh i've always been in his in his corner but i i mean i've really thought that hamilton has taken it to him and yeah uh, i mean you can't argue with what nico's put out there for the last uh Last run of last year and coming out of the gates this year, he's just been crushing it. Right. And speaking of speaking of Lewis, I mean, it just seems like he. There's been a, a string of things happening where it just things aren't coming together. The, the, was the hybrid system in his car wasn't working in qualifying or something like that this time around? And I think so, but I think he had a, I think he had a transmission change. Oh, okay. That was going to send him to the back anyway. Oh, all right. But um. I mean, it's one of those things. Sometimes you've just got a run of luck, and sometimes, right. you know, you've got two cars uh, in the team over there, and the team might be dominant. And you saw it with Red Bull um, when Weber was still there. There were years when the team was just, you know, taking it to everybody, and Weber would just have something mechanical go on right. every race, and right. Vettel was always fine and would just dominate the race, and Weber would have to come from the back or yep. whatever it would be. Weber. <laughs> um, so uh, there was. Uh... There's a little bit of movement and contact in the race, so there was excitement for it. And uh, one of those moves saw uh, Vettel getting pretty pissed at uh, is it? How do you pronounce it? Daniel? Uh, we we go with Danny. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Kaivat, and uh, he even had words with them there at the end dur- during the podium. Um, and I mean, Vettel drove his ass off. Really going, he was what fifteenth at one point, and then all the way up to second. Yeah, v- Vettel. Uh, Vettel had to go. Uh... To the front the hard way. Yeah. But, I mean, he definitely just got caught out. Right. Um, because Danny didn't do anything wrong. He just right. went for a gap. He was totally under control. Yeah. And Vettel just didn't expect anybody to fill that gap. And, uh, unfortunately, he and his teammate got together. Definitely not uh, what you want to see. No. Um, I did like uh, Vettel's pit lane pass, though. That was pretty ballsy and totally within the rules. It was awesome. Yeah. That, that was <laughs> That was a bit of a surprise. Definitely, they were a little bit woed up. I think, uh, I, th- I think somebody did the same thing in Bahrain. Was that Bahrain, or am I thinking a different race? Anyway, yes. I, I mean, that was definitely taking advantage of the situation. <laughs> yeah, and and uh, initially people were probably very confused, but then if you go in the rule book, like they were clearly trying to hold up, like create create a little traffic. And he's like, no, no, we're allowed to race on this surface, and he went for it and passed cleanly it was pretty badass actually 
Yeah, first rule: if you're if you're trying to slow up the guys behind you, you got to make sure your car is wide enough that they can't pass you. Yeah, there you go. Um, so F one after where do they go? Uh, Russia next, I think. Yes. Um, so that'll be that'll be interesting. Uh, I mean, I haven't been watching F one as closely as I should this season, but I mean, you can't not hear about how awesome Nico's doing. So it's pretty dope. Uh, moving on to. Uh, jolly old England, where the six hours of Silverstone went down. Um, Audi, as expected in any endurance race, was running their car hard. They ran very hard, and they ran themselves right out of the race. Yeah, got DQ'd post race uh, from the win because they had too much wear on their uh, on their skid by like skid plate. five millimeters or something like that. Yeah, some yeah, some something uh, minuscule, and they were just. Uh, whether that was running it too low or maybe they miscalculated uh, a little bit on their dynamic uh, ride height. Um, because for for anybody who doesn't know, you set your ride height, you know, in, in the pits or, you know, in the paddock. But you have to take into account for how much it's going to drop for downforce. Mm. And you've got different elements in the suspension to control that. But you're always going to have some change. Yeah. And you want to run the car as low as possible, um, especially these prototypes, because that drives the underfloor. And that's where you make just tons of downforce. Um, so as long as you're not stalling the, under, the the bottom of the car, aerodynamically speaking, you want to be as low as possible. Right. And uh, whether they just miscalculated a little bit on ride height or they were maybe running a little bit too aggressively with some curbing, <laughs> they, uh, they then got caught. Yeah. Um, it sucks because they were what they they won right, and then yeah, and yeah, they, they 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 were on the podium. They got the big trophy, and right. then I guess they have to give it back. Yeah, and so uh, Porsche now takes a win. Toyota takes second, and a private group took third. Yes, and and, and to me, that's I mean, the story here is Audi loses their victory. That's yeah. that's definitely the story. But the coolest thing. Um, unless if, if you're a Porsche fan then the coolest thing is that Porsche won now. Right. But if you're not a Porsche fan, the coolest thing is that rebellion, um, was on the podium and the LMP class has been amazing these last few years with these hybrid cars, but the privateer side of things where they don't run hybrids, um, has been really struggling. There, there were two cars and then there were three cars, but they've been way, way off the pace. Sure. Two of the three are actually basically upgraded lmp2 cars oh, built, wow. by, built by Eureka. those are uh, Eureka builds the rebellions and you can see they're basically the same as the uh lmp2 cars with different engines so but they are just nowhere near the pace right. of the factory cars and it makes sense because they're spending tens of millions of dollars instead, instead of, of hundreds of yeah millions. hundreds yeah. of millions exactly and there's uh there needs to be a place for privateers in the sport that yeah. isn't gentlemen drun that isn't funded just by gentlemen drivers okay there needs to be sort of a professional fully professional level of prototype racing over there and the the aco um and the fia who run WEC, they they kind of know that this has to happen right but they aren't incentivized to let these guys really compete sure, with absolutely. the manufacturers to see these guys have some success is just awesome yeah that, i mean that's a big that's a big move uh other big moves happening uh, at, at Silverstone, where uh, uh, what's Brandon Hartley uh, had quite a big move that turned into uh, big problems. He was leading in his 919 hybrid Porsche, he was passing. I think it was a Cup car, um, and yeah, didn't quite make the pass. He wasn't there yet, and he took him and the other car out. It's yeah, amazingly, we, it was shocking that the car didn't flip. 
That's yeah, wild. Absolutely. He, he tries to go around the outside of uh, a, a GT class 911 and and just basically clips him a little bit. Um, I think I think maybe left left rear of the prototype to the right front of the Porsche. Mm-hmm. It, like it's really close. And they just you know they get together and sort of the the GT cars submarines the yep the prototype a little bit and and uh, picks him up like a cow catcher and yeah. somehow it doesn't go over it but was uh, pretty it, was, wild. it was terminal for the race yeah it and, was uh and when you're in the lead and you do that move and you just I mean you think you're by the guy and you're not uh, <laughs> yeah and, and it was it was the closest closest of margins too and. I had I didn't see enough of the race mm-hmm. to know exactly what lines people were running there, sure. but what I understand is that in the GT cars, people hadn't generally been tracking all the way out of that corner. They'd keep it a little bit to the left, um, to the inside that is, to set up for the braking for the following corner. Mm. And I mean, the speed differential through this sort of section, the speed section between these hybrid prototypes and massive. the GT cars, yeah, it's just absolutely massive. And you need to make a decision right away right and i wouldn't be at all surprised if that was a pass that he had done all day yeah 10 times already in the race on various cars and had no problem and that and that one time it, it didn't work out mm. and people are people rightly say well you know the faster car has to go around yeah has to make sure the pass comes off cleanly and that's true but there might very well have been a president set that you know this is how you manage it in this corner but people only uh notice when yeah. it goes really wrong right 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 i mean the slower traffic you guys you want them to just be consistent yeah exactly exactly there are some situations where it'll help if they breathe a little bit um at the end of the straightaway or something like that to help somebody get by where they can just you know pull alongside instead of have to dive bomb them on the brakes right. but other than that yeah like it's a faster class car you just want them to yeah, just stay on your line and I will get around you. <laughs> um, now, moving back to the States, it was a big weekend here in California. Uh, Long Beach is always a fantastic racing weekend. I love I love Long Beach as a racing city. I, I know it's not Monaco, but it's kind of like America's Monaco in a way. It's, it's as old in terms of how long people have been racing there. And I think the fans are great and we have great races. So uh, IndyCar was in town, which was awesome. Yeah, the the IndyCar race, the race itself, um, for the most part, was pretty boring. It was. To tell you the truth, it was, the I think, the fourth time that they ever had the race go all green. I know. It was um, nuts. And, and they set a speed record for over, for average speed in the race. I think it was the first time the race had averaged over 100 miles an hour in, uh, this was the 42nd year and probably, like, I don't know, maybe almost 35th year that was a IndyCar race, because um, it was Formula One and F5000 before that, but... Um, I mean, for the most part, really boring race. Yeah. No, totally. <laughs> no two ways totally was. It. Except uh, in the beginning of the race, Max Chilton's line through the corner was pretty awesome until they told him to cut the shit out. <laughs> yeah. So for, for people who haven't seen it um, or aren't familiar with the track, coming on to the first of the two back straightaways, um, you go from a, a road that's basically two, lo- two lanes wide to a road that's like six to eight lanes wide, and they cut off the entry to... They basically extend curbing out into the middle of that street you're coming onto right. um, to make it a tighter corner than it otherwise would be. And in years past, they would have these giant plastic bolt-down um, yellow curbs. 
that would be high enough that you could clip a few of them with your inside tires and you'd need to do that to be fast, but you couldn't go four over them. It would upset the car too much. And this year they changed the right. curbing layout and the, now they had a bunch of sort of apex curbs right. out there, but there was nothing on the inside. Yeah, there's tarmac and, behind it. And... Yeah. So Max Chilton, Max Chilton, or uh, one of our F1 uh, refugee rookies, uh, <laughs> made a few runs just straight up the inside where there were no curbs at all. Right. And um, it was a, it was an in, interesting, was interesting tag. Yeah. A, I, li- I liked it. Uh, Paul Tracy commenting right away. He was like, you can't, you can't do that. And the the other commenters were like, well, I don't know, Paul. I don't know. And he's like, no, you, you can't do that. And then race control finally said, yeah, Max, stop. Yeah. Um, but it was fun for a few laps. That's for sure. I think I tweeted at Tom Chilton that his brother was having an interesting line around Long Beach. Um, yeah, that that might have been some some uh, some family like touring car influence. Yeah, I know, right? Taking that, that totally taking that line. Car. Yeah, <laughs> that was tour, touring car. You can't really bump those things though. So the action in that race didn't happen until the end. Actually, how many laps were left? Like fifteen or? Uh, well, it, it was after the last pit stop, so yeah. we can call it the end. Yeah, in, in the final act right, of final the race, um, the the race had sort of been between the race for the lead for, had been between basically a. Castro Neves, uh, Scott Dixon, and Pagano, mm-hmm. two Pinsky drivers, and the one Ganassi uh, driver. And coming out of the, the last pit stop, um, Pagano cuts the the blend line for pit out, diving into turn one. And at Long Beach, the blend line runs all the way down to the intersection that turn one is at. And and that's because those Indy cars, are, that's a major straight. So they need the guys coming off pit to stay. Yeah, right. Ab- absolutely, absolutely. It, it, it's uh, not a completely blind. Uh, well, it's not a blind entry to turn one per se, but the front straight is curved. Yeah. So you can't see necessarily somebody, somebody coming out of the pit. So it's really important that they stay right. Um, but at the same time, you can't separate. You can't put like cones up or, or curbing up between pit road and the racetrack because guys are coming down their Holland. If they mm-hmm. get pushed over, you don't want something that's going to send them up in there or, right. or cause debris or, you know, possibly, you know, hit somebody. So they just have a, a red line painted alongside the the normal uh, sort of street lines, the double yellow that uh, is the left turn lane or whatever it is. Yeah, if you're going to uh, like Bubba Gump Shrimp or whatever the hell is yeah, down sure, there sure. in Long Beach. <laughs> so, so – uh, so what's the big deal? So uh, Pagano turns into turn one from the uh, – across the blend line really early and goes four over. Very clearly. Very, very clearly and comes out right in front of Dixon. It is as close as it can be. And so this is apparently a big no-no. They had specifically said in the driver's meeting – you can't do this. If you do this, you're going to be penalized. Right. They made a point to bring this up specifically. Yeah. And so, of course, the Ganassi guys are hollering, hey, you got to penalize this guy. And I guess Scott Dixon could even see the replay on one of the right, Jumbotrons driving. driving around. And, and he could he that, could see it from the car. Amazing, actually, though, that like you're racing. I mean, I guess if you're coming into one of the slower turns, you can take a second and be like, oh, my God, I... You, that's I thought that was pretty nice. Oh, it, it's great, and there's a little bit of serendipity that he happened to be near a jumbotron when they were replaying it, I but know. also he had the presence of mind to watch, watch the it, replay right. on the jumbotron. Like in the NBA, if it's a timeout, you'll, you'll watch, you'll see the players watching the replay of something that just happened. Oh yeah, every every foul call, they're they're looking up at right. the jumbotron to see. Oh yeah, I did that. And but, that never happens in racing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And so it was a clear violation, and IndyCar 
the race officials gave Pagano a, a warning, warning for the penalty. And apparently, the minimum penalty for this is a warning, which is, is odd to me because a warning isn't a penalty. It's right. a warning. But um, – and okay, a warning is one thing, but you're give, giving a guy a warning for something that literally he's Changed he's not going to have an opportunity to do again in the race. Right. It's not like giving Chilton the warning earlier uh, when, when he could do that every lap right. if, if, he, if he wasn't warned. Um, I mean, truth be told, lots of guys were going four over that right. line, and I've seen a screenshot of Dixon doing the same thing. But there's a difference between doing it and – Doing it when you're on your own and doing it when you're effectively racing for a position, right. which is what Pagano was doing. Um, now, I mean, frankly, I, I don't care whether or not Pagano was penalized. Um, in fact, I'm happy that he wasn't because then we'd have the issue of, well, he was penalized for it and that would have handed the win, win to Dixon. And the, min- the second level of penalty, by the way, wouldn't have been, okay, go behind Dixon. It's like you're supposed to be sent back to, like, the middle of the right. field. Like, it's a big, big, big penalty. So that would have put us in a position where we had a winner who we have evidence of having done the same thing. Yeah. But the circumstances were different. So uh, it, I'm, I'm actually happy they didn't penalize uh, Simon. But it, – I feel like they need to not issue a warning. They just need to say, like, no action. Because then they're at least being consistent. Right. Um, And it definitely sort of left a bad taste and a very awkward uh, podium ceremony. Um, It wasn't bad taste for Simon the Pinsky guys. They're they're stoked. He was actually hilarious, too. His post-race speech is like, whatever. I don't care. (laughs) Yeah, he he said something like, yeah, they can penalize me next year, I guess. I don't care. Um, And... In a, and also, like, he did a great job that race to be in that position. Um, he's a great driver, and last year was his first year with Penske, and he couldn't get uh, a win under his belt with the team last year. He's right. a winning driver already, but this was his first win for the captain. And so, you, you know, this is a guy who's already leading the points coming into this race. This might really uh, jumpstart yep. his, the rest of his season, and, right. and he might be a championship contender because he's definitely got the talent and he's got the equipment. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, so th- that part of it was fun, but yeah, the, the, the whole race control bit and the, the warning, the, the warning just kind of comes off as chicken shit. Yeah. Like no call would be, like you said, making it a, a no call. That's at least a decisive action. A warning's like, eh, don't, please don't do that again. Like it, it yeah, it, 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 it caused some, some, uh, strife and, uh, Dixon didn't spray the champagne on the podium and, you know, all that shit. And he was understandably pissed. So, but but you make a good point, though, about, you know, if they had penalized him, well, now you have to look at penalizing everybody else who did it because everybody else did it, too. It's just the situation was what it was. So that's a good point. It's a good point. Um, also racing at Long Beach this weekend was the, the WeatherTech, the IMSA series. Um, and that had some pretty damn exciting moments there in it, too. Yeah, some, some of them um, were the wrong kind of excitement. Definitely yep. the, uh, the PC cars. We're really struggling out there this weekend um, with the amateurs in them. Um, these cars w- were really fast when they were introduced um, back in ALMS. And unfortunately, they have not really come forward at all because it's a spec car. It's not supposed to be developed, basically. And the tire they're on now, the Continental, it's just not 
where they need to be for, for performance. Mm. The Michelin that we ran in ALMS and actually the Continental we ran for one year in ALMS was much, much, much faster, many seconds a lot faster. And meanwhile, the GTLM cars get faster every year a little right. bit, and it's, it's been five, six years yeah. racing together where they get a little bit faster every year. And this year, they made a big jump because the rules changed. They got more horsepower. They got more downforce. And so whereas there were some awkward interactions already, mm-hmm. now the sort of the performance envelope has a whole lot of overlap between these factory guys and the gentlemen who were starting these races right. for the most part. Um, and that's a hell of a circuit for uh, that situation to unfold. Yeah, yeah. The, the pole sitter, uh, Bill Oberlin, got into the back of uh, the core car uh, going into turn nine, which is a really strange place um, for one of those cars to be catching the other one. I mean, it's it's one of the only places on the track where I think the PC car should clearly be going faster hmm. than a GTLM car. But he got into the core car and put him in the wall. And the guy who was put on the pole, I think two years in a row, won the race last week, last year, a local driver, knows the place as well as anybody, uh, gets penalized. And, I mean, rightly so, he dumped the core car. But I... I know it's a situation where the guys in the PC cars aren't happy about having to deal with these supposedly lower class cars behind them who are coming up. And the GTLM guys aren't happy because, because they shouldn't be in this position either. And, and frankly, I mean, when you put a pro in a PC car, they are faster than the GTLM car. So the machine can do it, but right. most of the, not maybe not most, but a lot of the amateur guys out there really struggle, hmm. especially in the beginning of the race. Yeah. But uh, other than that, the big, 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 big uh, right. action was right at the end in the GTLM battle itself for the yep. lead. The, um, uh, it was, I mean, so it was uh, Milner, right? Yeah. Yeah. Tom Milner in the, in the number four car who had won Daytona okay. and then won Sebring. So leading the points, won the 36 hours of Florida. He, he's... Uh, He's leading the race. He's got the two factory Porsches behind him. And, you know, he's, uh, I don't think he was really driving wide at any point. He was just kind of controlling the race. Yeah. But within, I think, 10 to go or so. Something like that. Um, in the hairpin, uh, Makawiki sticks his nose in yeah. just enough to, <laughs> just enough to, to break his own car and turn the Corvette. Yep. And it wasn't a giant, like, late dive bomb where you get the guy in the door right um partially because like there's not enough speed being taken off in the hairpin for the most part to get into somebody you could just not break and hit him in the door but this was just like a last second dive to the inside just enough to turn it's like he saw daylight for a second or like i don't i don't think there's anything nefarious at play here It, it doesn't look good on replay but he probably saw a little bit of daylight as you know, with Tommy's angle on that turn and said, screw it, I'm going for it. And it opened the door for his teammate to take the win. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it, it's, uh, as you can see in the IndyCar race, it's really hard to pass on yep. beach. The best passing zones are generally the biggest break zones, but at long beach, the biggest break zone follows a first gear 30 mile an hour corner. And when you've got a corner that slow, it's hard to differentiate yourself from another driver. Mm-hmm. Like, powered, you don't have to be fast in there. You just have to be fast out. Sure. And if you just get the car turned and get back to power, you should get out of there pretty well. So it's really hard to get a run on somebody to pass them. So I, I think he probably just thought 
for a split second that Milner come off this broke, corner. Yeah, yeah, hit the brakes early and was leaving the door open, and uh, it wasn't the case. It was not the case at all. It did not turn out well for either of them. Um, and I mean, the replay again, it looks like just not good. <laughs> um, uh, but oh well. Um, let's move on to uh, Pirelli, which unfortunately you weren't able to compete, but for wonderful reasons. Um, but you watched, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was it was uh, it was a pretty good race. Not the cleanest race of the weekend, right? Because uh, the IndyCar race actually was clean. Uh, There's actually a lot of carnage. Um, all things told, actually started not in the race but in practice. Uh, John Fogarty in the Gainesco car clipped the wall, the apex wall, mm-hmm. in turn eight, coming onto the back straightaway, and clipping the wall sent him straight hard into the outside wall, Oof. just past the tires. And I think he tubbed the car. I know they did so much damage. He definitely he, they pulled out from this weekend. Wow. And right now they're trying to hustle and get the car fixed for Barber, which is starting. Uh, first practices on Thursday. Ooh. So it's a really tight turnaround, and hopefully those guys um, are going to make it. Thankfully, I think they're based in, in Texas, so they're okay. not too so far, not too relatively speaking. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it, it, it's, it's, it's tough because you've Which got – Which car this, was that? that? That was the number – I think they're number 99, Gainesco McLaren, okay. the Red Dragon as they like to call it. And, uh, yeah, so, yeah, I mean, from the get-go, before the race, you already had carnage. Yep. Um, so – the, the, there was some drama uh, with the actual finish of the race. Johnny O'Connell takes a checkered flag. Yeah, after, after a great, great race for the, for the lead with uh, Alvaro Parent. The only race for the, the well, the only, uh, like, really good race for the, the overall lead I think I saw this week. Right. The, and the they, multiple passes. Afterwards, I think they both praised each other's, like, driving after the race, because they I seemed like they were having a lot of fun. Um, and O'Connell loves Long Beach. I've talked to him before about it. Uh, and he loves how there's no room for error. You got to have big balls to to do well there. Um, and so it's you know it's always good to see Johnny or anyone take the race on a course they really want to win. Um, but the very next day, it's all gone. They uh, handed him a 10 second penalty for a technical infringement, which gives Alvaro the win. But so explain what this was. Okay, so. Um... In GT3 racing, which is what um, World Challenge is, you've got uh, all the cars performance balanced. And so you sort of, the cars homologate a certain way and they're given a certain size air restrictor, a certain you know, minimum weight we have to run, a certain ride height, maximum revs, all that kind of stuff. And for the turbo cars, they have a maximum boost pressure that they're allowed to run. And for some things like weight and ride height, you, go, you check that out in tech. Mm-hmm. But for everything else, you need the actual data to police, right? So um, all the cars in the series have a series-issued or series-mandated data system. Now, yeah. this isn't the ECU that's running the engine. This is right. a separate system that's just there to collect data so the series can review it, sure. whether it's for judging an incident or, in this case, making sure everybody's complying. So uh, Johnny had some overboost issue in the Cadillac, and this wasn't like a big cheater system where he had an extra like five PSI the whole time. Um, These were just little spikes, but it it was enough that he got docked. Yeah. It was uh, outside of regulations. They said, yeah. And this is, this isn't the first time that I think this is the first time the Cadillacs had the issue, but not the first time that world challenge has taken away wins last year at Barber. uh, James Davidson lost his race one victory of the weekend for overboost also in the Nissan uh, GTR. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, uh, 
Speaking of the GTR, Brian went into the wall at some point too, didn't he? Yeah, Brian Heikotter had a pretty good size one, thankfully into the tires um, in turn one. And I think, I don't know if he had some sort of a failure on the car or if he just got in too deep Mm. and maybe the ABS didn't work as expected um, when, when the ABS systems in these cars go screwy it can it can go really bad in <laughs> it a hurry can go really bad um so uh pirelli moves on to like you said uh barber they're heading to alabama uh are you going with uh unless somebody calls me um on my way home tonight i won't be going okay. unfortunately I'd, I'd love to be there and and barber um it'll be a really great weekend barber has always had a really good fan turnout for mm-hmm. the indycar race they'll be racing with indycar yep. once again and i have to say barber is like it's a really fun track to drive but I raced there for years in Grand Am, mm-hmm. and it's really hard to pass there. Um, and I never had really enjoyable races. And okay. then last year <laughs> with World Challenge, it was an absolute blast. In mm-hmm. World Challenge, the cars have enough horsepower yeah. that the tires can start to fall really fall off during oh, okay. these races. And you can get some pretty good um, sort of differentials between the cars. And sometimes you have to make passes in unconventional places but <laughs> it's a pretty racy track um for these gt3 cars and i think uh it should be a really good show nice um now there's uh all sorts of racing going on right now we're in the racing season uh and if you like reading about this stuff or listening to it make sure you check out on hooniverse every monday our man bradley brownell does his motorsports monday roundup post on hooniverse and that runs at 12 pacific uh, on the website on Mondays, and it helps me prepare for podcasts like this. Uh, so there's more racing going on. We got um, we the big stuff's going at Barber, and wh- how when is the actual race? Beginning of May. Um, what the Barber race? Yeah. Uh, no, it's this weekend. It's this weekend. Yeah, okay. yeah. yeah. Um, I have my calendar way off. Uh, 24 Hours of Lemons is going to be at Gingerman in Michigan. Uh, so soon. Formula Drift is heading to Atlanta. F1 to Russia. Indy and Pirelli are going to Alabama, like we just said. So there's a whole lot of stuff. Uh, where does Super Stadium Trucks go? Who do they follow? <laughs> they they do a lot of stuff with IndyCar races, but mostly at the street tracks. Okay. So they, they did St. Pete, Long Beach. They should do Detroit again, I believe. I think they do. Um, I don't know if they do Toronto or not. They probably do Toronto. I, if they're gonna do I know they have. They'll probably do Boston, yeah. Uh, so they they like they they like to be uh, with the people. Yeah, that, I mean, those are so rad to watch. Through, lifting the wheels in the corner and and that that stuff's just super super gnarly. Um, now I want to take it over to the social medias because I said, hey, if you have any questions, please ask them. But the funny thing is, a lot of people um, they didn't. Not everyone's asking race specific questions. They're just treating it like it's a normal podcast because which is fine too. Um, so like, <laughs> Aaron. Aaron Graham on Twitter at code at coder Aaron asks best breweries for sours in San Diego. So like, that's not a racing question, but they asked it. So I'll answer it. Uh, I'm not a big sours guy, so I I'm just slowly getting into it. But I mean, if you're up in orange County, you can try the brewery. Um, let's see here. Okay. At loping camshaft, uh, at Duncan Indy, not necessarily a racing question, but I get the feeling there's I, this, <laughs> I get the feeling there's a lot of cocaine use in auto, auto journalism thoughts. <laughs> I don't know anybody who does cocaine. This, so. this is definitely a better question for Jeff than for me. I can <laughs> yeah. say that when I, I can say that Acura did not offer me any cocaine right. last week, uh, when I did their like NSX deal. Yes. So for whatever that's worth, <laughs> you didn't see any. Um, so, uh, here's an actual race car question. 
uh, at Car Guys Shirts asks, why the huge rear tray in the Ford GT Le Mans car? Um, because downforce is is great. So um, this year they changed the rules um, for aerodynamics in, uh, in in the GTE class, and um, whereas previously you could have a diffuser that I think was within the bodywork confines of the car, and it had to be featureless. It couldn't have any strakes in it. Mm. They changed the rules this year specifically partially to increase downforce and. Uh, Ford's take on it is this really big extended diffuser. And uh, the, the longer diffuser is going to give you more um, more diffuser volume, um, which is going to increase downforce. And, it'll, and moving it back will also move the downforce back, which means the same, the same amount of force is going to have greater leverage on the car. Hmm. Um, so it's, it's more effective. Um, it's more efficient. And they're not the only ones doing it. Uh, the... Um, new Aston Martin for this Aston's year has a huge yeah diffuser. also has a, a really really big one it's not quite as large um, I think but um, it definitely extends way back from yeah. the car uh, and it looks pretty bitching uh, for a race car you don't need these on the street uh, <laughs> uh, at car guy shirts asked another question should I get an intake and exhaust or lighter wheels and tires to turn my econo box into a track day p1 winner <laughs> Uh, definitely, definitely wheels and tires. Yes. Um, you don't even have to do wheels and tires. You yeah. can just do tires. Right. However, if you're doing enough track days and you can afford it, having a set of track wheels makes your life a lot easier, especially if you break one of your wheels, you won't be out of a ride. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Um, all right. Uh, let's see. Better smell tire smoke or chicken on the grill. Um, that's... tire smoke, but fried chicken is better than either. Yeah. Okay. I like that. That's a good one. Uh, here's one. Uh, at CBR underscore Dina, any tips for anyone wanting to get into racing? And then they also ask, what's up with the Wombat? The answer is nothing. There's nothing up with the Wombat, sadly. Hopefully I have an answer soon. So any tips for besides start with a massive bank account? Yeah, so um, I mean the best way to get into racing is to have a lot of money. If right. you don't have a lot of money, you have to figure out what kind of racing you're into, whether that's road racing or rally racing or uh, dirt oval stuff or drag racing or, or whatever. Um, and figure out, so figure out what you're interested in, figure out how much you can afford to spend mm. and then go out there and start racing. Whether that means get like taking, uh, taking a school yep. in and, and getting out there and driving stuff on the dirt tracks or taking like a go-kart school, um, places like, uh, there are lots of really cool uh, go-kart schools around the country. Jim Hall out here um, in uh, Ventura is where I did my first karting. Um, karting is a great place to start. Autocross is yeah, great. Just find track like, just do Yeah, or, or, or start doing track days. But the point is, like, somebody's going to have to pay for it. Right. When, if you're getting into it, it's going right. to be you. So figure out how much you can spend and uh, then go and race. Go yeah. and drive. It's yeah. fun. Um, yeah, there's a lot of cool, cool events. There's a lot of cool events out there that you can do that are not as expensive. Like, unless you're looking to, you know, get a spec Miata and go that route, which relatively speaking is on the more affordable end of racing cars. But if you just want to drive a car on a track, there's so many high performance driving events out there that, uh, you can find something. Um, let's see. Uh, this person asked if I've had any good Hefeweizens lately. Nope. Um, <laughs> let's see what else here. Uh, oh, here's one. Uh, at Big Daddy Rob, Rob with two Bs. When getting into a new race car, uh, how do you feel it out to get it up to speed and drive it? Like, is there something you do? 
um, there isn't like a, a ritual or a certain like routine I run down. Um, I mean, unless we're getting into something that has like a thousand a horsepower. Thousand and, and... Oh, oh yeah. Well, if it's, if it's a very technically complicated thing just to like turn right. on and operate, then you, you know, first thing I have to do is to kind of learn, you know, <laughs> how to do that stuff. But, um, unless you're getting into something that literally has like eight, 900,000 horsepower, right. the amount of power in it isn't going to be an issue unless it's a big, big step for you. Yeah. Um, or if like, so, you're so like, like, hey, drive this Formula Drift car. Yeah, yeah, or so, yeah, something completely different um, for me, certainly. So uh, the amount of power uh, kind of doesn't have any effect. So that that's easy. So the first thing you do is sort of feel out the brakes and feel out the handling balance and just work up to the speed a little bit if it's a really big change mm-hmm. or if you haven't driven anything quite like it in a long time. Just work up a little bit slowly over the first few laps to get a feel of the balance. And then, you know, you just kind of start pushing and go for it. Yeah. yeah. Um, I like this. This isn't a question, but, uh, uh, we call him Craig on now. Um, he says, I got you this so you could print it out and set it on fire. And it's a picture of a t-shirt that says because race car It's because I hate that whole because race car. thing. <laughs> That's very thoughtful. Uh, yeah. So thank you very much, Craig on. Um, let me just see if there's any questions on the Facebooks here. Um, all right. Um, all right. Actually, another one from Craig on says, hello, peasants, Lord Craig on here, Mr. Indy, if you were a Bond villain, what kind of car would you drive in the inevitable car chase? Um, (laughs) um, that's a good question. Okay. Give me a scenario. Is, is, is this in a city? Is he driving oh, an Aston Martin? Is this in the country? Or, yeah. Are you on like country roads or something like that? I mean, that's a good question. Because if you're on, if you're in the city, give me like a, a some super jacked up Mini Cooper so I can slide through traffic. You know, I I think I'd probably be in some sort of Audi. I feel like I feel like I'd be in a big Audi, and I'd, I'd you know have something to say about how BMW drivers are the ones who are dicks. Right. Yeah. What did you drive here in, by the way? Uh, <laughs> Well, I, I drove here in a BMW. Right. They've replaced an Audi, but right. I don't see what the You're point just is. making sure. Um, uh, Jessica Kyle Weissman asks, I'm thinking about buying an old, cheap V8 rear-wheel drive car project for 5000 Has to run and drive also. What is your opinion on a good, cheap starting project? I was thinking Fox Body or mid-90s F-Body GM product. I mean, yeah, you just had a good answer with Fox Body. Um, an old Mustang is going to be easy to work on. It's going to be faster. It's for the amount of money. It's going to be fast and loud and fun. So if you want, if you must have American, I'd say Fox Body Mustang is probably a good place to go. Yeah, and they're they're so much more compact than I remember like the F bodies being. Yeah. Like those things are, are massive. And there's so much body work and and like the the Fox Body Mustang was like, I think those things look good. Yeah. And, and um, but like I've never warmed up to the '90s F body stuff. So, but that's just me. Um, but yeah, get a Fox body. Um, William Paul. I see that one of Mr. Indy's early racing experiences was in formula Dodge. What exactly is formula Dodge and where does Mr. Indy consider to be the most affordable form of motorsport to break into for beginners? Uh, formula Dodge was the skip barber school series back in the two thousands or most of the two thousands before Mazda came in. And uh, part of the 90s, I think. Um, so basically, they're an old Formula 4 design, beefed up to basically have, like, taxi-like reliability. Um, so you could run lots of schools with them, and they wouldn't just fall apart. And they had um, two-liter, uh, like, 140-ish alleged horsepower neon engines in them and uh, race gearboxes. And so 
it was just the that school's um, sort of Formula Ford like vehicle. Right. Uh, now the most like the best most affordable thing to start racing in. Um, a lot of that's going to depend on where you are regionally. Um, because different series have different amounts of support um, in different parts of the country. So anything that's high momentum and low horsepower, whether that's um, like a, a, a low-rung uh, open-wheel car or or a MX-5 Cup, Spec Miata kind of thing, that kind of thing is going to be great. Yeah. Even um, B-Spec, if oh, yeah. it's cheap enough, um, would be cool. good because it will teach you momentum. Yeah. But I think fundamentally you want to learn how to drive in something that's rear wheel drive mm. um because you just the the way you, you're going to feel the car and the car control you need to drive a miata really fast is different than a fit right so I, i'd recommend something more on the miata route but um in different parts of the country there might be different excellent things you can do yeah absolutely um all right let's see josh ostrander how do you feel about pit lane selfies and any news on the patreon no news on the patreon i just have to make the video and i've been lazy about it uh i just haven't had time pit lane selfies this is in reference to that chick getting tagged in nascar (laughs) i guess she was taking a selfie this is not about the f1 snapchat um which is also ridiculous but uh yeah i guess um if you're in if you're in a hot pit pay attention uh, where race cars are moving about. I mean, like, they even... If if, if someone was doing this at a lemons race, that person would get screamed at. Like, the pits are no joke. So... Yeah, I, I mean, if if I was if I was running a team or if I was a teammate waiting to get into a car and we were doing a hot pit stop um, and somebody was on the cold side of the wall taking a selfie um, or or even sort of well back from the... Uh, from the pit box or from the pit stand, but on the wrong side of the fence and they were, you know, at all in the way, uh, yeah. we'd have a big, big problem. Right. There's yeah. yelling and screaming and that person is automatically wrong. So, uh, just be very, very aware on a hot racetrack. Um, now before we close it up, uh, briefly, we can talk about something fun you got to do. Uh, and, and I didn't cause I had jury duty. Uh, you went to thermal and drove the new NSX. Yeah. And, um, you can read the review on the Hooniverse.com. Um, spoiler alert, I think it's really awesome. Right. Um, it is it, – it's definitely going to upset some people out there sure. because it's not the NSX that they they know and love, whether they're an NSX owner or they are um, you know have decades of owning them in Gran Turismo, right. as, as <laughs> I do. Um, it's, it's definitely different. Right. But – I mean, frankly, I there there's I don't know what sort of equivalent for the original car would look like today right. in the market today. I know um, they originally planned this car, so this car's got twin turbo V six, um, sort of Porsche nine eighteen esque hybrid system, really. Yep. And it was originally planned without the turbos. It yep. was a transverse V six, and they, I think, after a couple of years of developing that, they ditched that and did a new v6 longitudinally well, mounted with with turbos because frankly like an na motor right was never going an na three and a half liter v6 was just never going to be able to right. hack it i mean there's even one point though where they talked about v10 possibilities oh yeah well like a decade ago right. there was yeah this That's v10 concept been... which would have been would have been pretty cool right. but um yeah and, and i just I don't see like the car makes so much sense to me it is so good at what they set out to do um, 
there were, I mean, there's so many good cars in that class yeah. and there are so many very distinct cars, whether it's, you know, a, a V like a V12 Vantage or a 570S or a Porsche Turbo or, or an R8 V10. Right. Um, or, or even something more, uh, something more focused like the Nismo GTR. There's a lot of cool the things. McLaren in, 570. Yeah. Yeah. You have a lot of really cool things that have very distinct personalities. Did you say that? Was that one of the ones you said? I, I did. Yeah. yeah I thought so. <laughs> I, 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 I'm, I'm very eager to one day get into that because I'd really like to get to know that yeah. car's personality or even just sort of in the same price range, but a very different car. Like, you know, somebody's going to, some people want that for our California. Yeah. Yeah. And the it, new one's supposed to be good. Uh, yeah. Yeah, much and, better gearbox and the turbo engine, and, and 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 now now it's pretty good looking. Yeah, but you know people like all sorts of things in terms of looks. But anyway, right. so <laughs> it, the I mean the Acura isn't going to please the guy who wants a GT3 or please the guy who wants some or who wants like sort of the bombast and classic good Gallardo. look. Oh yeah, definitely something <laughs> like that. Or or you know, and the, the NSX like it, it it's a Honda. You know, they're not going to have their Halo product be something with the temperament of a Viper. Right. Right. I mean, it's 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 just that's never going to happen. And they could have gone sort of the BMW i8 route. Yeah. Um, and although it's a hybrid, like it's there are no economy compromises there. It's like got very, very serious performance. It might not go 210 miles an right. hour, but it, it gets up to whatever speed you wanted to go to very quickly. Hmm. Very interesting. Uh, that's 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 cool. I'm jealous. How is thermal? I've heard it's kind of boring. It's it's. I've heard it's designed for rich guys with lots of who want to go very fast and don't need a lot of skill. Yeah, I this is my first time there, and they have they have two distinct tracks right now, and you can you can run them interconnected. But I understand that they have very different profiles. So the one we were on was 1.8 miles, and it was basically like long, like medium to long length straights. Uh, and second or third gear corners, but mostly basically second gear, um, maybe low third gear. It's hard to tell what gear they should be because the NSX has nine gears <laughs> and just like a, a, a crazy, crazy torque curve. Like right. there's no, I've never driven a car that had such a tremendous like torque and power, torque curve and power band yet had nine gears when it could have had four. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, that's funny. Um, so that's, that's awesome. I'm jealous that you got to do that, but hopefully I get the car here for longer than your stint at the track and I will shoot video on it. We'll do all that fun stuff. Um, so that, that will be very, very fun. Um, so this was race recap two. Uh, hopefully we can try to get together after sometime after Barber happens. Cause the plan is to keep doing these after the Pirelli IndyCar weekends go along. Uh, we'll keep you posted on all that stuff. Uh, but, yeah, thanks for joining us for the second episode of our Race Recap Special Editions of the Hooniverse Podcast. Duncan, as always, thanks for joining and being the wise one here. I try. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, now you can go home to your kid because I've taken you away. So sorry to your wife. And we'll see everybody uh, in a week or a month or whatever. We'll keep you posted. <laughs>